0: Good afternoon, folks. Today is Wednesday, August 16th, and I'm Josh Boykin, founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Hey folks, just a quick note before we get started today. Last night, I alluded to a project that I have been working on for a while, but had not completed. So last night, I finally got my act together and finished it, and the IntelliGame Patreon page now exists. For those who are not familiar with Patreon, it is a recurring membership platform where you can go in and sign up to become a patron of generally independent creators who are making the types of art and whatever it is that's in the world that you enjoy and want to support i've been running Intelligame out of my own pocket for almost two years now and i have really adored the opportunities that have come with it the ways that we've been able to create these amazing discussions and also the impact that we've had on the community We raised over $2,300 for a Children's Hospital together. We've had these really phenomenal transformative discussions on Twitch, and there have been people in the industry who have paid attention to the work that has come from Intelligame. I'm hoping to be able to expand that, to be able to highlight works from other creators, to be able to spend more time invested in this Intelligame ecosystem uh, but I need your help to do it. So if you head over to patreon.com slash let's there are some options there to become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Um, and every bit of support helps to make Intelligame a more vibrant, thriving community. And it also helps to I mean, take, take care of, of me, <laughs> honestly. Um, but he, anyway point of the story is that it's out there and if it's something that you're interested in i would love your support um, but it's not a mandatory thing Telegame radio will still be here and still have the same conversations and help to build this community that i really am thankful for and value today so anyway um, i wanted to lead off with that again you can go over to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash let's intelligame if you want to uh, become a supporter there's some really cool perks over there i hope you enjoy them Um, and i'm totally open to any feedback you've got moving forward thanks a lot today's episode of intelligame radio starts with a discussion about words about branding Really, about the ways that we identify a concept based on a term and how that term shapes the reception of that concept. Now, this is spurred by the usage of the term quote unquote alt left yesterday by Trump, uh, who was responding to questions about his exceptionally milquetoast uh, feedback or response to the events that took place in Charlottesville. And so, well, what about the alt-left? What about their responsibility? Using the term alt-left is, it is a linguistic tactic, where the alt-right is a term that was specifically coined by members of white supremacist movements to be able to make the ideology of white supremacy more palatable and easier to slip into The ecosystem, Alt-Left, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have an identifier. It doesn't call out a particular group of people. It highlights the power of the term and the negativity that has come with the association of the term Alt-Right and then tries to spin that energy back onto the left. This is the same linguistic tactic that was used when Trump started talking about fake news. The idea that, no, CNN's fake news. Fake news was a term that was developed to describe, in particular, things that were developed by small, essentially cash-grab websites publishing completely false information because they knew that people would click on those websites and that they would generate revenue as a result. And that the information that would come from those fake news websites ended up being information that permeated into people's brains, giving them a concept of what they thought was true. That was fake news. Now, fake news is this nebulous term that gets associated with slang uh, slogans like CNN is ISIS and all sorts of nonsense. We have to pay attention to the words and the terms that we use. And of course, me being a game journalist, this actually made me think about the difference between a walking simulator and a narrative adventure, right? Because both describe essentially the same type of game, generally a first-person explorative game where maybe you're not, there's no quote-unquote gameplay at all. Maybe there, there could be no guns. And instead, you're just exploring an environment and learning about a particular story. But the term walking simulator, though it may have been a nudge-nudge-wink-wink joke for folks in the game industry, does come with a pejorative connotation. The idea that there's nothing to this game, it's just a simulation of walking around like most people do on a regular basis. As opposed to narrative adventure, the adventure genre is something that we've had for quite some time, and the idea that it focuses on narrative helps to add some validity to this description. We're talking about two things that are the same, but we're giving them, we're giving different impressions to the people who we talk to about them by using a particular term. Some of us will know that the idea between a narrative adventure and a walking simulator are, are they're interchangeable. But for many folks, they don't. And that's the purpose of using one term or the other is to influence somebody's interest simultaneously the difference between the alt right and white supremacy or nazism these situations are meant to point towards the same group of actions and attitudes but we also have to realize that the term quote unquote alt right was more palatable it allowed those information those information sources to seep into the ways that we had discussion and so now it's important for us to have these discussions and to call out white supremacy and nazism when those things stand because we are talking about the same ideology the same dangerous ideology that got heather Heyer killed while she stood up for diversity and and people she counter-protested in charlottesville south carolina We've talked here on the show a few times about the idea of becoming really good at what you do. Professional eSports players who spend hours, days, months practicing the same game, League of Legends, Overwatch, competitive games that some people make careers out of. I was listening to the Hidden Brain Podcast, which is not here on Anchor, but you can look it up on your favorite podcast app on either iTunes or Google Play. and they talked about this idea of deep work the non-distracted work that we get when we really tunnel into something that we've been focused on they brought up the results possible results of working on deep work and a couple of different effects that you may have heard from or heard of flow state and deliberate practice now I thought Instantly, when I heard about this about Tetris which you know I've been playing a lot of over the past few days I used to play on level 1 and start there and it would be this slow general raise up to levels 12, 13, 14 fast experiences where then I would get this tension now I've started playing on level 10 at the beginning so the tension builds straight from the beginning the difficulty and the sort of elevated heart rate start right from the onset. And so I thought about the difference between starting at level one and the difference starting at level 10 and where one feels more like flow state while the other feels more like deliberate practice. You see, flow state is something that we describe in work as basically the I've lost myself in the moment feeling. Maybe you're a writer and you started on an article or a story that you love and next thing you know, four hours has gone by or you're playing basketball or you're cooking, whatever it is, you're doing something you love and you're so immersed in that experience that just everything feels right and you don't realize how much time has gone by. That's flow. And that's something that people generally say is an experience that's positive for us to trigger in work. It leaves us more satisfied at the end of a work experience when we can get into that flow state on the other hand deliberate practice is something that we've talked about increasingly over the past few years a lot of it came from discussion of malcolm gladwell's ten thousand hours theory the idea that you have to spend you spend ten thousand hours doing something and it makes you an expert in that field well you can't just dribble a ball for 10,000 hours not paying any attention and become a basketball expert or even a ball dribbling expert. Instead you have to have opportunities for deliberate practice. Performing at a difficulty that is above what you're comfortable at so that you can start to take on some of the new skill sets and ideas and syntheses that are required for expertise. 10,000 hours it may not be 10,000 hours of deliberate practice that are required, but having a significant amount of deliberate practice is definitely necessary to be able to increase your capability in any region or or realm. I think that this explains why I've talked the past few days about Tetris not quite scratching the same itch as it used to, but why I keep going back to it. My experience playing Tetris has shifted from one of flow, one that I use to calm down, and to recollect into one of deliberate practice where I'm using it as an opportunity to improve on a skill set that I've already cultivated and I'm doing that by purposefully putting myself into a more difficult situation than I'm ready for now I don't feel completely overwhelmed and if I was completely overwhelmed then maybe this deliberate practice would just be deliberate sabotage but instead I'm using this as a chance to say well let's just up the ante a little bit. Let's see what we're able to do now that we're working outside of our comfort zone. And I have found that my ability to react to certain situations in Tetris, to come up with unconventional ways to set up the tetraminos I think is the formal term, uh, to set up unconventional ways so that I can prepare for Tetrises later down the line that has increased and i think it's increased in a way that i have not noticed in the years or maybe even decades of playing tetris before so think about that difference flow and deliberate practice last night when i went to go work on the project we took a break and asked our first in a long time question of the day instead of doing a midday break we did a mid evening break but since we haven't gotten any responses for it, and I know it was in the middle of the night, I'm going to go ahead and ask it one more time, hoping that I'll get some votes from the community before we go ahead and make our ruling. Of course, if you're listening on Anchor FM, you just go ahead and hit that call-in button or leave a discussion post to tell what your answer to the question is. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, whether you're using uh Podcast Addict on Android, or if you're using podcasts on iTunes, you can go ahead and send a tweet to Let's Intelligame on Twitter, or you can chime in on the question of the day on the, in, on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Let's Intelligame. So our question of the day is an age-old 16-bit rivalry. What is your preference? Which one reigns supreme, the Super Nintendo or the Sega Genesis? This is, uh, again, this is a question with no answer, uh, but I thought it would be interesting to just have an opportunity to share some experiences about how you grew up or which one you found to be the stronger system. And after the midday break, we'll come back, share any call-ins we may have, and then I will give you my verdict on Super Nintendo versus Sega Genesis. Talk to you a little later, folks. Alright folks, it's the end of the day and I'm gearing up for bed So I want to go ahead and answer the question of the day myself When it comes to Sega Genesis versus Super Nintendo for a while Probably when I was younger, I thought the answer was Sega and that was due to two games it was Sonic 2 and Disney's Aladdin and Sonic was a franchise that wasn't on the Super Nintendo at all um, and I always had a lot of fun with them, but Sonic 2 in particular, uh, it was a combination of the soundtrack from the Chemical Plant Zone and the just kind of fun of the Casino Night Zone. Uh, you could jump into these trippy uh, slot machines, and it just, I, I remember having so much fun with that game in particular, and I felt like Sonic 3 didn't quite have the same just like fun bounciness to it. It felt a little more serious. I don't know. The other difference was Disney's Aladdin. Now, back in the 16-bit era, there would frequently be games that were released for the same intellectual property, but they would be different games on different consoles. So Jurassic Park on the Super Nintendo was a top-down view hybrid action puzzle game with sort of these first-person exploration elements whereas jurassic park on the sega was a side-scrolling action game that was like dark and gritty and uh was just like a shooter with like shoot dinosaurs and stuff like that but what got me was aladdin on the sega seemed to have a better soundtrack now, I spent all this time talking about the Sega, but um, my answer is the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo had a much better chipset to be able to create, in my opinion, much stronger, uh, more musical soundtracks. The games that came out on it were super iconic. Final Fantasy 4 or Final Fantasy II um, is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, having six buttons on the controller instead of three. You had four face buttons and then a left and a right trigger gave you a lot more capabilities for things like fighting games where you could have a low kick, a medium kick and a high kick and a low punch and a medium punch and a high punch without having to do weird button combinations. Overall, it probably is a matter of personal preference. I know some folks who are really big Sega devotees, and it's probably because they own Sega's, and I'm a Super Nintendo devotee because I owned a Super Nintendo. I actually still remember when my dad bought it for me for my birthday. Uh, It was a used one from Video Outlet, and I don't know, I just had a lot of good memories growing up with that thing uh, selling it was one of the biggest gaming mistakes that I made. I sold it to a GameStop for probably some paltry thing, like $20. Anyway, so that is how I felt. And, uh, if, again, if you do end up having any input of your own, if you are pro Sega or pro, uh, Super Nintendo, or maybe something else, feel free to call in. Well, folks, that does it for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. And per usual, if you're looking for me after this, you can find me on Twitter at WallStormer. If you're looking for more Intelligame content, you can hop on over to Facebook or Twitter.com slash Let's Intelligame. And keep in mind, tomorrow we're doing uh, Let's IntelliPlay, which is our weekly live stream. We'll be playing a little bit of a game at the first half, and then we're going to jump in and actually uh, we're going to host... The Spawn On Me podcast, which is now running live on Twitch. They're going to be doing an interview with Austin Walker from Waypoint, uh, Vice's gaming magazine, and so we're going to hang out and watch uh, Khalif Adams and Sharif Jackson and Cicero Holmes, the Spawn On Me crew, have an interview with them. I think they're going to have some really interesting, thought-provoking discussion, uh, particularly as four black folks uh, talking about likely some political events in addition to games. Uh but in the wake of what happened in Charlottesville, I think it'll be a good discussion. So I encourage you, uh if you don't hop over to the IntelliGame stream to go over to twitch.tv slash spawn on me. That'll be at 730 Pacific time. Uh seven thirty PM Pacific time. Alright folks, have a good night and uh keep IntelliGaming